This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael and Megan's newest book, Win at Work and Succeed at Life. Enjoy Michael and Megan exploring what it takes to achieve the double win while they recount stories that bring joy and some stories that sting, all while laying out how you can win at work and succeed at life. Pre-order your copy today at winandsucceedbook.com. That's winandsucceedbook.com. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And this week, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary, and we thought we'd share with you what we've learned over 10 years. Now, it was 10 years ago, pretty much to the day that I left the big corporate world, big corporate job to launch out on my own and start what's become Michael Hyatt and Company. Now, at the time I started, you know, I wasn't quite sure what I was getting into. I just knew that I had this creative itch that I needed to scratch. And I'd always dreamed of being an author and a speaker. I was working as the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers. We sold the company to HarperCollins. It was the perfect time to make an exit. And I just decided that I was going to go for it. And it has been a crazy, crazy but really fun ride over the last 10 years. And Megan has been with me since almost the beginning. And I'm not talking about the fact that I've known her since she was an embryo, which I have. <laughs> but I'm really talking about the fact that she came on board as a contractor in 2012. Is that right, Megan? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's been a while. So anyway, we just thought we'd share with you guys some of the lessons that we've learned over the last 10 years. I think occasionally it's it's really helpful to reflect on the past and try to distill from it what we can so that we can use it in the future. But we've got some, I think, pretty exciting lessons, at least when I was looking back on it and reflecting on it, I thought, wow, we've come a long way and we've learned so much. And I'm sure we'll say that 10 years from now. But before we do that, I just have to go back in time for a minute and rewind to the day that you left Thomas Nelson, you knew you were going to go out on your own. What did you imagine your life was going to look like 10 years after that? Well, you know, this is kind of funny because I was tired. Yeah. Right? So I've been leading this company, led it through the Great Recession. It's a big responsibility right. being the the CEO of a you know company that's doing $250 million a year and 750 employees. And, you know, I was kind of over corporate life. My life in those days was pretty much meetings all day, every day, one meeting after the next. And it was it was exhausting. So I was looking forward to the quiet life, the quiet <laughs> life of a writer and a creator and thinking that I would uh, occasionally interface with, with the public through public speaking. But I was really looking forward to being a solopreneur. Yeah. That is so funny because how long did that last? About three months. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Okay. I love that. Well, that really leads me to my first lesson, which is that your vision grows as you grow. And I think you're a great example of this as somebody who has done a lot of thinking about vision, has spent a lot of time crafting your vision in various roles that you've had, including your role at Thomas Nelson. And yet even in this transition, you didn't necessarily have a vision for the company that we have today and the kind of impact that we've been blessed to have. And I hope that that's encouraging to other people because 
Another way to say that would be that God's dreams for us are sometimes so much bigger than what ours are, Mm -hmm. right? You know, that kind of what we think is possible evolves over time as life unfolds. Yeah, I would I would say that, you know, left to my vision at the time, as a solopreneur, the company would have wouldn't have grown. We wouldn't have had the impact. You know, nothing would have happened that's happened. And I would say that there's room in your vision for it to change and shift over time. You know, it's an evolving thing. It's a work in process. You're never done with your vision. You've never reached the point of absolute clarity. Every time you get to the crest of one mountain, you realize there's an entire mountain range that's beyond that. And I've never come to the place where I've said, oh, well, I guess it's, you know, we're on, we're on the, what do they call it? The Great Divide. And now mm-hmm. it's, you know, downhill <laughs> to the coast. No, mm-hmm. it's really not. And so for me, it's just gotten bigger over time. There was a time when we started Platform University that I thought everything was going to be about building a platform. And in Mm -hmm. fact, Megan, you were the conversation that I had with somebody over lunch where they said, you need to just get rid of everything else in the company that doesn't have to do with platform and get a singular focus on platform. Honestly, if I had followed that advice, that would have been one of the biggest career mistakes that I could have ever made. We sold Platform Mm -hmm. University last year. and, And certainly that brand, that business, uh, served a role and was an important role in the company for many mm-hmm. years, and, and I'm grateful for every moment of it. But it ultimately wasn't our destiny. It wasn't yep. the thing that we were to camp on. And so we kept pressing beyond that. But I think even today, you and I had a conversation at lunch about the future. And yet As we again, often do. <laughs> yep. And we're, and we're shifting our thinking again on some things. Yeah. So it's just an evolving thing because we're living people. And it's and it's natural that our vision's a living thing too. Yeah. You know what I was also thinking about when you said that? I think as people are heading into the future, they have an idea for something, whether it's a business or a book or something they want to speak about or message or whatever, we have to also be able to let things go. You know, that well, we can't good. take everything into the future with us, that it's too heavy. If we try to integrate it all and carry it all, it becomes too weighty after a while that we we have to be willing to kind of not have any sacred cow, so to speak, and to really um, be willing to be open-minded and in a, a place of possibility about the future so that we don't get attached to the wrong things that maybe were really critically important at one phase of our journey, but are not part of our future. Uh, and I think People make the mistake of sometimes becoming overly attached to things in their past as though their best days were in their past, not in the future. Yeah. You know, I, I really learned this concept for the first time when I read Henry Cloud's book back in 2013 called Necessary Endings. Yeah. Such and a he good talks book. about the importance of pruning. And it's true. I mean, it's true if you're gardening. I'm, I'm sitting here today in my studio and I'm watching your mom my wife plants some flowers outside and she's had to prune all these hydrangeas and all this stuff that's out here growing. And that's without that, there's no new life. There's no new growth. And so I think it's an important point that you made. And I think it's necessary in our vision process that it evolves, that it shifts and that we prune things out of it. You know, this practically for us every year looks like when we go through a strategic planning process, the first thing we do is that we look at our vision script, which is basically the vision document that you talk about in uh, your book, The Vision Driven Leader. And we look at that vision script and we ask ourselves, what's still relevant? What's changed? What's grown? What's bigger? You know, and we um, update that every single year. So it changes not a lot necessarily, sometimes a lot, but mostly there are just, you know, some tweaks here and there. But every year, 
we're making adjustments, we're calibrating because we can see the future more clearly the closer we get. This is why I also need to not sweat getting it perfect. And a right. lot of people really struggle with the vision script. They think they got to get it perfect. But here's reality. I don't care how hard you try, you're not going to see the future exactly as it's going to be anyway. So what you need some is something that will give you direction and will you know kind of get you aligned with the possibilities of the future. But don't get too overly concerned about the details. I mean, do the best you can, but you got to hold it with open hands, realizing that it's probably going to shift. It's probably going to change over time. Okay. So dad, what about you? What's your first lesson? Okay. My first lesson, first of all, the vision was a big one that was on my list too, but I you know, decided to let you take that one. But uh, <laughs> Thank you. yeah. So the first one on my official list is that there's no scaling without delegation. Uh, now I so realized good. this. And the reason I started three months after I got into this, I realized that I had to have a team is because first of all, if I didn't have a team that I was going to be forced to do everything myself. And as you know, fate would have it. I'm not good at everything. In fact, I'm not good at many things. Mm -hmm. And so I need to have a team that could enable me to do all the things that need to be done in a successful company. So the the very first person I hired was a part-time uh, executive assistant. Mm -hmm. and Virtually. Virtually. And that was amazing. I did that through Belay Solutions. And that showed me the possibilities. And I guess I took it for granted in the corporate world that I had all these people to delegate to, but I had to learn it afresh because as soon as I started, you know, trying to find the FedEx box and trying to fill out an expense report for the accountant and invoicing clients for the services I'd performed, I thought, this is not something I'm good at. I don't enjoy it. I need help. And so if you're going to scale, you've got to increasingly focus on the things that you and only you can do. And you've got to be willing and able to delegate the rest. You know, one of the things that's interesting about this is that that list of things that only you can do and that you do best and that makes the greatest contribution changes over time. You know, I think um, one of the things that happens over time is that you get more and more clarity about exactly where you add the most value, exactly what are your highest leverage activities, exactly where does your passion and proficiency intersect in what you call the desire zone in your book, Free to Focus. And so it's interesting what you probably would have answered as, you know, what are those things back when the company started would be very different than they are today. That's certainly true for me too. And I find that every time we go to a new level in our company, new level of scaling, that we have to ask that question again and be willing to hand off things that probably at one time would have been in our desire zone in order to free ourselves up for an even greater contribution. Well, and the, and the opposite of that is sometimes we have to do some things that we're not proficient at until we gain the proficiency and then we discover suddenly that we that we love them. So right. for example, one of the things that was required of me when I started this business soon after I started it was to appear in a lot of videos, you know, mm -hmm. to do a lot of videos. And man, I hated that. I didn't feel like I was very good at it. I didn't enjoy it. It was tedious. But the more I developed proficiency at it, the better I got at it, the more I enjoyed it. So now it's honestly, if I see that on my calendar that you know, it's time for some video production. I'm like, great. You know, I feel like I'm good at this. I do it well. I enjoy it. Same thing with public speaking, same thing with writing. But there's a lot of things that you kind of have to keep in what I call in my book, Free to Focus, the development zone until you develop enough proficiency that you give yourself a chance to love it. And there will be those things, as you're saying, that uh, that we might initially be very, very good at or even like. 
but they have to go by the wayside because as we grow, we're going to burrow into those things that are more narrowly focused that, again, we, we and only we can do. So what about you? That kind of leads to your next one. Yeah. Well, my next lesson is that you can't do it alone and that we sure haven't. You know, our team is absolutely our greatest asset. And you often say to our uh, business accelerator coaching clients that if your dream isn't big enough to require a team, your dream's not big enough. And I love that because that's certainly been true for us. There's no way that we could have accomplished what we have um, or had, most importantly, the impact that we've had in the lives of our clients, in the lives of our customers without this team. You know, there's so many capabilities that they have that we don't that it just gets me so excited to look around at our company and who we have kind of on the bus, so to speak, um, because they're so extraordinarily talented. And especially when you get everybody together, kind of the sum is greater than the parts, you know, so I love that we're even this year, we're hiring 25, 27 people. I imagine we'll probably do that again next year, you know, and that'll just kind of continue into the future as our vision continues to accelerate and grow. And there would have been a time when that would have felt really intimidating to me, you know, to hire at that rate to integrate that many people in our company. But now it just gets me excited, you know, uh, not the least of which is because our team we think of as being our best and most important clients, you know, that we want to take care of them in such a way that they get the double win, winning at work and succeeding at life, and that they really have the most significant transformation of anybody because they're really our ambassadors out to the world. Well, they are. And one of the things I've said to our coaching clients too, is if you take care of your team, your team will take care of your customers and your customers will take care of you. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of business owners and leaders get sort of myopically focused on the customers, which you do need to have customer focus, no doubt about that. And we're going to be talking about that here in just a minute. But I think it's a it's a question of priority. And I think the team comes first. If you take care of your team, if you really have a compelling uh, vision and a compelling mission, everything else will work out. And so increasingly, I see my job as the chairman now, not as the CEO, because you're the CEO. But I see myself as you know, somebody that needs to pour into the team. And certainly I know you see yourself as as that, but uh, the future of the company is going to be dependent upon us maintaining that asset and really nurturing that asset and growing it over time. Okay. So what what's next for you? Okay. Next one for me is, and I, I said, we're going to talk about customers. So here we are. The key to success in business is helping your customers overcome the challenges they face in getting what they want. This is mm. not that complicated. Yep. If you understand two things about your customers, you can build a successful business. Number one, what do they want? What are their aspirations? What are their dreams? What do they desire? What do they want? Okay. That's number one. Number two, what's in the way of them getting that? right? So what's standing mm -hmm. in the way of them reaching their dreams? If you can solve that problem for them, boom, you got a business. And that's essentially all we've done. You know, we've got uh, coaching clients, for example, who they want to build a big business. They want to build a successful business. They want to build a thriving business. But at the same time, they don't want to compromise their personal life or their most important relationships. But that's a problem because they feel like they have this impossible choice, which is what we talk about in Win at Work and Succeed at Life, our new book. So if we can help them solve that problem and come up with a third option that gets them what we call the double win, we'll be successful as a business. And in fact, 
that's what we're doing now. That's what we've done over the last several years. And that's our foreseeable future. Yeah, I think that's so important because we can make this harder than it needs to be or more complicated than it needs to be. And I think it really comes down to emotional intelligence and really understanding our customers and dealing with the things that they feel like they can't deal with on their own. You know, if we can do the heavy lifting for them and move these obstacles out of the ways, then, you know, we become a hero to them and really enable them to be the hero of their own story, most importantly, which is what we want. Well, this is true of everything we talked about today, but this is an evolving thing too. So your understanding of your customer has got to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I saw a presentation that you and your executive team um, were part of last week where you guys really dove in to our customer avatars or our ideal customer. And wasn't it like 12 different archetypes and you guys had a mix of two? Yep. And as I listened to that, I thought, wow, that's that's deeper than we've ever gone in terms of understanding the customer. And I felt like you guys nailed at it. And it was so fun to watch and to say, yeah, that's exactly it. And it opened up all kinds of possibilities to me for how we can solve our customer, our ideal customer's problems in new and yeah. innovative ways. Absolutely. All right. So, so far, we've talked about four of six lessons we've learned. So what's the last lesson you've learned, Megan? And then I'll share my last lesson. Last lesson you've learned in the last 10 years or nine years you've been with the company. Yeah. Well, that it's possible to achieve the double win. Again, that's that idea of winning at work and succeeding at life, not only for yourself, but also as a company. And here's the key. It's really worth the effort. You know, when I think about the kind of company that we have built and are actively building, nothing is more rewarding to me than the impact that has on our team. You know, that's Agreed. that's because those are the people that I know most intimately. I know their stories. I know their spouses, their kids, their challenges. You know, usually those things I know more intimately than most people in the company. And so I know what it means for them to be able to get this double win. And we're certainly not perfect at it. It's always something we're striving toward. But, you know, oftentimes people come to us from companies where they've had a toxic culture, where they haven't been appreciated, where they've been workaholics, where they've suffered health consequences of that or relational mm -hmm. consequences of that. And then they come to us and we're doing something totally different here, you know, and we're really forging ahead in this idea of the six-hour workday, which that alone is not essential to getting the double win, but to have right. constraints on your workday, which we talk a lot about in our new book, When at Work and Succeed at Life. You know, we really practice that at Michael Hyatt and Company. We want people to be getting adequate rest. We uh, really put our money where our mouth is on that, on things like parental leave and medical leave and health insurance and all that kind of stuff. And it's just so paid sabbaticals, PTO, all those things. You know, that's not just a recruiting tool, although certainly it serves that function. It's really about creating transformation in the lives of our, our team members. And it's so rewarding to see people come back from parental leave and think, man, I could have never done this, you know, at any other job. Or, you know, to, to be able to be with their kids at some event at school and know that that's something they might have previously missed or be able to get great health care and know that that costs them almost nothing, you know, that, that, that they don't have to make those kind of choices in their life anymore. It's just so rewarding as a business owner and as a leader um, to see what that means for people. So that's that's one of my absolute favorite parts of my job and what we've been able to do as a company. 
Yeah, I really, really like this lesson too. And I think that one of the things I would say to leaders is that if you want this for your company, if you want this for your team, if you want them to be able to simultaneously win at work and succeed at life, you've got to be the model of that. You've got to be sort of the 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 paragon of that. You've got to demonstrate it. You got to prove it to yourself. You got to illustrate it to your team. Because if you talk about this, but you don't practice it, people will not be able to hear you. You know, if you're working 12-hour days and you talk about work-life balance, people will not believe you. They just won't buy into it. They got to see it modeled. And so then you can talk about it and you can have sort of the moral high ground when you talk about it because you're practicing it. And this isn't exactly a lesson, um, at least it's not one of the formal things that I drew out over the last 10 years, but we really try not to export things that we haven't imported into our own lives. In other words, we're never just teaching theory. This is stuff that we practice, that we use in our own lives, that we use in the business before we ever attempt to try to, you know, foist it onto the world or try to convince anybody else to do it. And, and I think that, that that's a distinctive, frankly, of our company, because I, I see a lot of influencers out there talking about things that they're not practicing. And, and I just think that it undermines the message. You know, one of the things that's cool too, and this is probably not apparent to everybody, especially if you're more recently uh, a new listener with us, is that when we're talking about the double win, we're not talking about compromising your operating results. We're not we're not talking about making a compromise around the kind of financial results you're going to accept in order for your team to have work life balance. We're really talking about this kind of third option where people um, are able to create amazing results. That's the win at work part, but also also succeed in the rest of their life. And that's really rewarding to me as I look back on our financial results. You know, we've been one of Inc.'s fastest growing companies for several years in a row. We've been one of Inc.'s best places to work for several years in a row. And that's all happening while we're creating this culture, which I love because it's kind of a check and balance sort of a system. You know, both have to be true at the same time for it to really be the kind of success that we're after. Well, speaking of financial results, that's really my lesson. <laughs> that was a the great segue, lesson. wasn't it? Yeah, good job. One of the biggest lessons I've learned in the last 10 years, and I really learned this back in the Great Recession, is that cash forecasting is essential for avoiding a cash crisis. Yeah. You know, I can handle a lot of stress. I can handle a lot of breakdowns. But one of the worst, one of the ones that I always want to avoid is financial crises. I just hate it. You know, there's nothing worse than if you're a business owner and you're not sure you can meet next Friday's payroll or you can't pay your contractors or you got vendors calling and they want to be paid and you have no money and you're trying to, you know, stiff arm and hold them off. You know, that's not a great place to be. And thankfully, I've, I've never been there at Michael Hyatt and Company, but I have in previous situations. And so the way to avoid that is not just, you know, hope against hope that you win the lottery or that you win that new client or something happens. No. It's simple, and this is really the blocking and tackling of business, but it's cash forecasting. And we advocate mm -hmm. to our clients and we practice ourselves that we do a week-by-week, 16-week -week, uh, cash forecast where we know exactly what's coming in and what's going out week-by-week -week for the next 16 weeks and then month-by-month -month thereafter for the remainder of the year. And this gets updated every single week so that if we're going to have a cash crisis, we see it well in advance while we still have runway and can solve the problem. And that's kept us out of 
cash crises. We've just literally never had a cash crisis. It's, you know, to be honest, it's gotten thin at times, but we've never been in a cash crisis and never a situation where we couldn't pay the bills simply because we're looking out far enough ahead. So with the right tool in place, and this is a tool, again, we teach in our, our business accelerator coaching practice, but this is a tool that will keep you out of trouble. Well, and man, we got to learn this lesson all over again or learn the value of this lesson in the 2020, uh, gosh, what do we even call it? You know, the the pandemic, the economic crisis, as we were really reforecasting and doing cash flow scenario planning and trying to figure all that. Fortunately, we ended up actually having a really good year, but we also did some really proactive cash flow forecasting in various scenarios to see, okay, what happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? And it gave us a lot of confidence to make bold moves, I think, during that time, which is one of the things that having uh, this kind of intelligence does is it it helps you know uh, where you can afford to be more aggressive or where you maybe need to be more conservative. And I really think that confidence enabled us to make the right decisions at the right time to not only keep the business going, but to really have a fantastic year last year. And, and the key to this is if you're a business owner, or an executive, it's important that you share this with your executive team Mm -hmm. or your leadership team, because you don't have to suffer all the financial stress on your own. Mm -hmm. So if if the team is seeing the cash flow forecast, if they know what the receipts are forecasted to be, if they know what the disbursements are forecasted to be, then their minds will go to work and they'll help you solve the problems. And we see that, you know, every week when we have a have an issue. You know, if you see there's going to be a cash crunch 12 weeks from now and you've got your best minds in the company thinking about it, then it becomes something that you shoulder together, you you bear one another's burdens and you get through it. Mm-hmm. And to me that's part of the fun of it. And it also gives people um a sense of reality about the business. Because the worst thing is to be left in the dark and then to hit a crisis and go, gosh, if they had just told me, I could have given them some advice. I could have helped them solve the problem, mm-hmm. but they kept it to themselves. And that's a a huge mistake that I see a lot of business owners make. Yeah, we actually share this with our executive team and our leadership team, which are our directors every week. And, you know, they get a little video where they can see our CFO explain that. And then if there are any, you know, questions that we have, why was this slower than we thought? Or how come we did so much better on that than we thought? Then they can chime in and share those insights. Or if we have any problems to solve, they can brainstorm with us about that. Or certainly we get to celebrate together more often than anything. It's awesome. But um, I love this. I think this is one of the most empowering and underestimated tools in a leader's tool belt. And it's not that hard to set up. I'll say if you're if, if you're thinking about doing this or if you're not doing this, you should be thinking about doing it. But if you're not doing it, the first time you do it, it's going to be the most difficult. But do it like this. First of all, take a spreadsheet and divide it into two sections. So you're going to have the columns are going to be the weeks, 16 weeks out. And then your rows are going to be the various cash expenditures or uh, the receipts. So you're going to start with receipts, all the money that you expect to receive over the next 16 weeks by week. And so I put in the recurring predictable stuff first, and then the stuff that's a little bit more speculative second. Then go to your disbursements. What are your recurring payments? You know, rent, payroll, all that stuff. You know what it happens. It's no surprise. And then the things that are that are uh, more discretionary that aren't recurring, and then you can put those in. First time you do this, it's quite a bit of work. But after that, it's just updating it and fine-tuning it and becomes easier and easier, but even more necessary. 
All right. So that was a list of our top six lessons over the last 10 years. It's really hard to believe, Dad, that 10 years has gone by so fast. And here we are, isn't it? It is amazing. And I think it speaks to that old adage that we've all heard that that people tend to underestimate what they can accomplish in the long term and overestimate what they can accomplish in the short term. And that's certainly been true for us. But if you're a business owner, if you're a business leader, I would just encourage you to go back to the first lesson, dream big, because you can probably accomplish over the next 10 years more than you think you can, but try to get as clear on the vision as you can and then work from there. Dad, I could not agree more. It's so fun to look back and not only talk about these lessons, but just think about all we've been able to do together with our team and all we've been able to accomplish. I just feel a lot of gratitude as I'm thinking through this. Me too. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Hopefully you can take away some helpful points from these lessons and we look forward to being back with you again next week. Until then, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael and Megan's newest book, Win at Work and Succeed at Life. Enjoy Michael and Megan exploring what it takes to achieve the double win while they recount stories that bring joy and some stories that sting, all while laying out how you can win at work and succeed at life. Pre-order your copy today at winandsucceedbook.com. That's winandsucceedbook.com.